If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. Today is another Q&A episode addressing all of your running questions. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. you guys have followed uh the last episode earlier this week where i have my sister submitting some questions see she overall submitted 10 questions and last episode we took care of five of those addressing things like your training structure and how to manage hills how to negotiate hills and covered a whole bunch of things and we're continuing this theme and today we're answering five more questions and so yeah, let's take it away. I have injured my hamstring, which I took time off to recover from. Now when I return to run, my leg feels weak and I feel like I am in a cycle of short periods of exercise followed by injury recovery. What can I do? Okay, if anyone else has been in this position, this is kind of like what we call the boom-bust cycle and your running, your training is almost dictated by what your injury can manage. Once you've finally overcome your injury, a lot of the times you're overdoing things and just keep grinding yourself into the ground, doing too much too soon, going too fast until you have another injury, which then uh, dictates again what your pace and what speed you can do. Otherwise, symptoms get too severe. And so if you were to look back over the last couple of months, maybe six to 12 months, you find yourself in this boom bust cycle. And it's very common for runners because we are... Uh, but based on our personality types, we do run and we do get injured. We do continue running through an injury and we're bummed out when uh, we can't run the pace and the, the freedom that we wanted. And so I guess um, there's a few things that I want to talk about on this topic. When you are injured, keep in mind that the uh, your ability to tolerate load diminishes. So if you have, in this case, we're, we're talking about a hamstring, we're talking about the hamstring muscle itself. If you are running and you increase your speed or increase your hills and all of a sudden you have this hamstring strain, what you could currently or what you could previously tolerate has now diminished. You have to take a few steps back, work out what your new tolerance is over that 
couple of weeks, couple of days and build yourself back up. And that's where rehab and that's where strength and conditioning work comes in really, really nicely because the next goal is to have your strength and conditioning exercises build you back up to where you currently or where you previously were pain-free and symptom-free and then build it enough, build it strong enough so that it in the future can tolerate higher and higher loads as you get better, as you run longer, run faster, that sort of thing. So within your rehab, when you do your strengthening exercises, we want to make sure that we're addressing a few things. One, we're addressing strength, which is the power, the strength required for running or for whatever activities you are doing, maybe gym exercises, maybe just cross training, cycling. We want to make sure that we're ticking the boxes of the strength that is required. The second thing is we want to make sure that we're addressing the speed because running is quite a fast tick over activity. It requires a lot of power. It requires a lot of strength and it also requires a lot of speed. So speed can, uh, let's say if we're talking about for the hamstring and we're doing hamstring exercises, it doesn't have to necessarily be heavy when we're working our speed work. It does need to be heavy while we're doing our heavy strength work, but while we're doing our speed work, it can be something like body weight. It can be something like skipping. If we're talking about the calves, if we're talking about the hamstring, it could be doing some TheraBand hamstring curls uh, that are quite light, but we're doing it quite fast. The other thing we want to make sure is that we're addressing the entire, what we call the globic, the global kinetic chain. So if you're working your hamstring and you're building up your hamstring, we also want to make sure that once that's strong, we're addressing the calf, we're addressing the glutes, we're addressing like the hips, core, everything else. If that's be de- if that's been deconditioned or you've lost confidence in those areas during your rehab as well. So keep that in mind. These are just things throughout your strength and conditioning that you need to tick off to make sure uh, the confidence going back to running is adequate. And while we're talking about confidence, when you're doing your, uh, if you're managing an injury, you should have confidence running. If you don't, then we need to address that through like a return to run program, either walk to run or address your strength in the gym so that you now have the capabilities, you now feel confident, you now feel like you can tolerate the running loads. Definitely shouldn't be limping. I have had a few people um, approach me on social media and they, they just talk about their injuries and say, is limping okay? Because I've had this for quite a while now and my friends say I'm limping. Definitely, if you are limping, you shouldn't be running. <laughs> uh, that's why I love doing the hopping test. You hop like 20 times on one side, 20 times on the other side and see if it's similar, see if you have the same level of confidence, see if you have the same level of power and strength. It's a, it's a nice indication to see if you're ready to run. If there's obvious differences from right to left, then we need to change that within your rehab because we want you running with confidence. Um, what else do I have written down here? Um, if the leg feels weak, then we can, again, work on our strength and conditioning, but you can also start back running at very really slow speeds, low distances while you're continuing your rehab. There might be a certain point while you are injured where you just notice there's a certain speed where I just don't feel confident or towards the end of a run, I just feel like I um, get really fatigued and quite stiff, quite sore. We've gone too far if you have, if you're experiencing that. So what we should do during your rehab is Definitely focus on the strength work, but if you still want to run, if we still can run, if we can still tolerate some level of loading, make sure it's slow speeds and make sure it's 
um, short distances within, well within your capabilities. How can I know the difference between muscle soreness after a run and an injury? This is a really good question. I, I have. You aren't a template, so your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. This in a previous episode, but I'm more than happy to repeat it. Even when I appear on a lot of other podcasts, I do like to explain this one because it's a good one. We're trying to dissociate the difference between DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, and injury. And there's some clear characteristics there's some characteristics that sort of blend in between the two. There's some gray areas, but definitely some ways to specifically iron out what it might be because we want delayed onset muscle soreness if, or at least a little bit if we're doing some strength and conditioning work because that's what, that's how the muscles get stronger. That's how we build up our capacity. And even if we go for a run and we're say doing hills or we're doing sprint work, you should be, you should have some level of muscle soreness the next day that's how we get better. That's how we improve. And so how do we know the difference? If it is delayed onset muscle soreness, that good pain, definitely it's coming on the next day or at least, and, and sometimes two days later. So 24 to 48 hours after that level of activity. And it should make sense why it's sore. You should notice that you have had a hard session, you have had a hard running session, or you have done an exercise that was quite different, you increased the dosages of whatever your strength and conditioning work is, or you did a harder gym class, it has to make sense. The delayed onset muscle soreness doesn't just appear, it, um, it follows a specific pattern. So there's a history that makes sense, and it comes on 24 to 48 hours after that activity it usually affects the whole muscle. So let's just say, for an example, um, my hamstrings get quite sore if I do wall balls or if I do kettlebell swings. They come on the next day and it's usually the entire muscle that I can feel is very tight and sore. I get the perception of tightness, but it's just soreness. Um, so that's the second one. The, the location of the pain is usually the entire muscle. And then most importantly, it settles after two to three days. Maximum, I'd say I've had DOMS that has lasted longer than that, maybe four or five days, but that's in extreme cases, usually settles within two to three days. If we're looking at an injury, there is sometimes the injury or the pain can start during a run or towards the end of a run. It can come on straight after a run once you've cooled down or later on that day and also can come on the next day, especially tendons can come on the next day. And so... When we're looking at good pain, it comes on the next day. When we're looking at an injury, it can come on during, after, and the next day. So it just will depend. 
in terms of location, it's usually a little bit more specific. So while we're looking at good muscle soreness usually contains the whole muscle, this is usually pinpointed to something like a ligament or something like a tendon more focused into one area that you can point with one finger um, or a couple of fingers. It's not widespread location. And like the good doms that resolves in two to three days, this one doesn't resolve like an injury won't resolve in two to three days. Um, if it is persisting beyond three days, we know that it's not DOMS, we know that it is an injury. So hopefully those characteristics can help separate the two. Every run, I am running to the point of exhaustion because I wanna be able to get my best times. Is this okay? Ah, we've probably identified one of the cruxes of Zoe's training. If we've learned anything from last episode, we did, uh, make sure that the bulk of our training or our entire training should focus on this 80-20 rule, which is 80% of the running that you do should be very casual, should be um, your easy run. And what we say is we run as a, at a conversational pace. So when you are running, you should be able to uh, you should be able to talk to the person next to you. You should be able to sing. You should be able to whistle without feeling like you need to catch your breath. It's that level of intensity. Whereas the 20% is uh, your harder efforts and that's where you want to try and um, yeah bump up those intensities. And so why we do this is 80% of the time you're with your easier intensities, what you do is you don't have to spend a lot of time to recover. So you can spend, you can um, spend more time in the adaptation zone. You can uh, do this more often. You can hit that adaptation zone more days a week, and then we adapt quicker than, than as if we were to run to exhaustion and need two or three days off to recover. Um, otherwise the muscles are just going to be overworked. They're going to be sore for a run. They're going to be, um, yeah, just not adequately recovered. So keep that in mind. It also avoids the potential for an injury moving forward if you're constantly pushing yourself and a few of the guests that I have had on, they talk about this gray zone that a lot of runners tend to blend into. And the gray zone is an intensity where on their easy days, they never go as easy as what they should. And that therefore that carries over to their hard sessions. They're never, they're never able to run as fast as they can during their hard sessions because the body hasn't recovered from them pushing themselves a little bit too much during the week. So when you do your hard sessions, you want to feel really fresh and you want to feel like you can produce a lot of force for a long period of time. But during those really, really easy runs, if you've set, if you've um, got your watch on, you set your Strava and then you're running at an embarrassingly slow pace and then you think, oh, I should probably pick this up here. And then you start heading up the intensity and heading into a little bit higher than what you originally planned. The body will need more time to recover. You're not going to be as fresh uh, a couple of days later when it comes to those heavier, harder efforts. And that's where we fall into this real gray zone. So they don't work as hard while well, they work too hard when they should be running really easy. And then when it comes to that top tier, trying to really boost up that those hard efforts, those hard intensities, the body's unable to do so. So this would probably be the number one thing I'd say Zoe needs to work on, especially looking at all of her other questions around injuries and pushing herself to exhaustion and um, potentially a few of these other questions moving forward. Uh, this is probably a common occurrence that a lot of you guys might need to reflect on. So I'm glad it was asked and I'm glad I'm here to, to provide that clarity because I think it's a big one.
Do you recommend a way to address the boredom during a long run or to distract from negative thoughts that come with a hard run? This is an interesting one that some runners may have no problem with. A lot of runners, um, they fall into kind of two camps. One, they, they run for the fitness and to achieve their personal best and feel good about themselves, but they don't necessarily love the, the act of it. I think that's me with swimming. I think my, uh, I just went for a swim today. I like the, the benefits of swimming and I do enjoy it. And while I'm managing injuries, it's a very good solution. But while I'm running, uh, while, while I'm swimming, I feel like um, I'm, I'm just looking for a reason to get out of the pool. I'm okay. How many laps left? How many minutes to go? And sometimes I cut myself short just because I get bored and I'm just counting laps and I'm not um, entertained and I'm not really keeping my mental game occupied. So um, I think runners can find themselves into that same situation when they're actually running. And yeah, I'm more than happy to provide what I think some tips are. Um, I think a lot of it is personal preference with finding entertainment and distracting themselves. But my advice would be to just try a lot of different things and then just see what works for you. So I do have a few suggestions. Um, my personal favorite, I'm always, almost always listening to podcasts if I don't have another runner with me. Um, podcasts for like gaining information. I listen to a lot of business podcasts, running podcasts, and um, a whole bunch of varieties. But there are also fictional podcasts and like I, I guess the murder mystery or crime podcasts are very popular that might distract you and keep you entertained. And there's obviously the audio books that are um, available if you wanted to find just a genre that keeps you entertained. Music um, can be a nice one. Some people are for or against music. I have I used to listen to music when I was uh, first started to run. And I think just to keep my mind engaged and to help training, I actually developed or built my own running playlist that had a cadence or had a beats per minute of 180 so that I think once a week I'd head out and I would do some cadence training and kind of just run to the beat of the music. So that could be something that not only keeps you entertained while because you are listening to music, but you also have that goal of training and trying to keep those steps per minute. Guided meditations are a nice one. Um, guided mindfulness while running. Um, I There is an app out there. What was it called? Um, running Dynamic Therapy was uh, I interviewed William Pullen on my last podcast that I had created and he is a psychotherapist, I think it was. And so if you search DRT into the the app store, it's um, almost like guided mindfulness clips that uh, you listen to while you run and that can help keep you entertained as well. So I did that a couple of times, found it really enjoyable. Um, Maybe you will too. Like I said, these are all personal preferences. Um, where am I in my notes? I think I had. Um, so if you are running and practicing mindfulness and you're using these guided mindfulness techniques, um, you can then slowly transition away from the guide and start doing it on your own, like without any music or listening to anything. And you listen to your breathing and you can tune into, say, your posture. You can tune into the sound of your feet. You can tune into the tension that's on your neck and shoulders. It can be just another way of thinking about running and just to tune in to different parts of your body, which I found really fascinating and might actually be like 
effective for you. It might help a way to relax or take in the scenery, help a way for you to work on technique and yeah, can just be a different focus. And speaking of focus, if we're um, trying to change things and trying to keep you entertained or distract you or um, cure boredom, we want to try and change things up. So all of these all of these ideas that I had, you might listen to music on one day and just listen to nature on the next day. You might do a guided meditation one day or listen to a podcast the next day. Um, if you are still struggling with boredom, try and come up with a focus or try and come up with an aim for the run, similar to what when I was listening to those um, playlists and trying to keep 180 steps per minute or just running to the beat. Um, it had a particular aim and a particular focus. So, Potentially, if you are finding you are quite bored, um, coming up with different aims and coming up with different goals within that running session can also be helpful. I want to cross train, but my muscle soreness interferes with my running schedule. What do I do? Will running on fatigued muscles lead to injury? Okay, to finish off with this last question, uh, it's an interesting question because while I did have a previous season on strength training, it was season two really early in the podcast and the I guess myth around why people don't strength train is because they think that muscle soreness and DOMS will lead will interfere with their running during the week and it doesn't necessarily need to be the case. If you do something new or if you increase the load, let's just say you're doing deadlifts and you go from doing 20 kilograms to doing 25 kilograms you'll expect to have muscle soreness and you'll expect that while that jump has happened maybe two weeks or so every it'll take about two or three sessions for you to adapt to that and the level of doms will significantly decrease however um if you continue to to have doms and you continue to do your strength and conditioning and it's impacting your running there's a few things one we need to check that the we need to check on the intensity of your exercise because you might be doing too much during your strength sessions and not reaping the rewards of finding that really nice sweet spot of um, increasing the strength, but then recovering enough to uh, have a nice like fresher legs for when you're running. The second one would be to like look at your weekly schedule. When are you doing your strength sessions within your runs? How many times are you running per week and where are we timing your strength and conditioning sessions effectively? So some people might go for a run in the morning and then later in the day will do their strength and conditioning exercises so that for the next day or the next two days, they're completely resting and they have enough time to recover from that. Or some people might re- will time their easy runs with a strength and conditioning session so that what it might look like is, okay, Monday, strength train, Tuesday, really easy run, Wednesday, rest, Thursday, harder efforts. And so maybe we need to look at your um, your structure, your weekly structure. And the fourth one, if you're noticing that the muscle soreness is interfering with your running, is maybe just check that you're recovering to a, bit, a good ability. Like, are you getting the right nutrition? Are you getting the right sleep? And it might not be the sessions your body might just be letting you down with not recovering optimally and you could be doing everything right except the recovery side of things outside of running and outside of your strength and conditioning sessions 
And so in an ideal world, when you have built up a relatively good level of strength, you should expect DOMS for one to two days. But if you run, have your easy runs on sore legs, it definitely shouldn't impact you, especially once you start warming up. If you do have quite severe DOMS, just a general like focus more on a warm up, like a dynamic stretching warm up or really ease into a faster pace. It shouldn't really impede your performance um, if you do have DOMS. And I think uh, what might be a nice tip would just be just to write down like a plan, write down when you do your strength sessions, write down the intensity of those sessions and how long DOMS is expected for you if you're learning about um if you're learning about your body and how long DOMS usually affects it, that's when you can schedule in when your harder efforts should be. And yeah, so that's, that's, I guess I'll repeat those four tips, making sure the intensity of your exercise is an ideal amount, making sure that your weekly schedule is well planned, make sure we're timing our hard runs away from, I guess, DOMS, if you feel like it is impacting, but really it shouldn't, if you've got an ideal warm up, and then just making sure your body's recovering to an ideal standard. Uh, Zoe also did ask the question, will I get, will it increase my risk of injury if I run on fatigued legs? Uh, my general answer is no, unless it's affecting your biomechanics. So let's just say, um, you're becoming, you've got more of a floppier technique because of DOMS or because of, or you're limping because of a harder because of severe DOMS or if you're hitting the ground harder because you're more fatigued and you're sort of slapping the ground harder that might increase your ground reaction force and change how your muscles are behaving and can potentially lead to an injury but I don't see people with DOMS um, really getting affected that much especially if they're they've got an ideal warm-up so uh, no, I would say running on fatigue leg definitely doesn't lead to injury unless real severe cases or if you're changing your run style just to mitigate or just to avoid feeling like that the, the DOM's coming on. Uh, so that would be my answer. If injury does arise, it's more likely to be the combination of your running and your strength training, uh, which is pretty much doing too much too soon. It won't be because of your running on fatigue legs. It's because you're combining a run session and a strength and conditioning session that's too much for you to handle. So that's what it would most likely be. That's it for today's episode. We covered a whole bunch. Um, thanks once again, Zoe. Lastly, thanks again. Um, I, I do love these. I do love these Q&As. So I'll plan to do one every one to two months. I I guess I just forgot that these types of episodes existed while I was doing all these themes and running around with all these new ideas that I have for the podcast. But um, yeah, we'll definitely look to do more in the future. So I'll um, keep an eye out. Uh, so keep an eye out for any posts that I do. Um, they will go to the patrons first and they will have priority mentions on the podcast. And then um, second tier would be everyone following me on social media. So if you don't have me on, um, if you haven't joined the Facebook group or if you don't follow me on Instagram, it's probably going to miss you. But whether you do or whether you enter a, a, um, a question or not, hopefully you take away a lot from these and these questions because if one runner asks it, usually a lot of people are still questioning themselves on it. And so, yeah, let's keep this going. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next episode. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. 
This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and ebooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.